We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by the FFPC. My name's Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. I'm joined today, as always, by my partner in crime, Mr. Sean Siegel. Uh, Sean, we're going to look today on the show about your July draft board article that you've up on the site, who you're targeting, how you come about the process of ranking some of those players. Then we're going to talk as well about some wide receivers to target who possibly might have an upturn in their fortunes in terms of touchdowns this year. Uh, and there's lots lots more to come so i'm really excited about this show and you know we're getting the start of training camp everything's starting to really click into gear now as we get ready for the start of the season it, it won't be too long until we're actually really and truly ready for the kickoff so the drafts are going to start to become very thick and fast so there's lots to talk about sean last week on the show we talked about tyler boyd the question was are we overvaluing tyler boyd we answered with a very strong no the Bengals tend to agree and they have just signed Tyler Boyd to a four-year $43 million extension to tw- true 2023. Obviously, that's great for his dynasty stock. But of course, he is the official wide receiver, I guess we'll call him, off the RV Overtime podcast. So I guess we better say a little congratulations to Tyler Boyd from ourselves here. Is that right, Sean? I think so. It, it, they probably were listening to the show last week and, and figured they needed to get him signed now before <laughs> uh, before Tyler himself had had listened to it over and over and decided that an average salary in the $10 million range was not enough yet. There are some big time wide receivers who are going to get some extensions in the not too distant future. Obviously, he doesn't fit quite into that category, but the uh, if we have some of those guys like a Michael Thomas get signed in the nineteen twenty million dollar range, then I think suddenly Boyd's deal here is going to seem like a significant bargain, even if there's a gap between those two players. So congratulations to him. Congratulations to the Bengals. And if you've been reading on the site, you know the Bengals are one of those offenses we expect to really explode this year. So trying to load up across the board on a players from Cincinnati. Yeah, it seems to be a really smart deal by Cincinnati, taking our bias, I guess we'll call it, for Tyler Boyd out of it. But some of these deals that are going to come up in the next couple of weeks before the the start of the season is going to see all these contracts move up in terms of uh, the financial ramifications in them. So a smart move by the Bengals. And we'll be talking in a, very shortly, as I mentioned already, about your July draft board. And last year, you talked in it about uh, players to target and who to get on your rosters. And one of those players, obviously, as we talked about in great depth, was Tyler Boyd. And the, the tag 
line was to draft him in the last rounds everywhere so he's gone from being one of those last round players to have a really breakout season and obviously it's, it's really proved to be well for him financially so it's a uh, it's good to see you always uh, always like to see some of the players you root for um have that big bit of success but lots to talk about in today's show and we're going to get into that in just a moment before we do get into that, as I mentioned at the start of the last couple of shows, the Road of His Patreon is up and running for its second season. Uh, this season, as we've mentioned as well, we are doing the Road of His Radio Slack, and it's been a lot of fun over the last week or two. We've been getting more and more people in there each and every week, so it'd be good to get as many of our listeners in there to have a little bit of fun and get ready for the season. You can gain league winning advice from some of our hosts and some of our writers on the site lots of different things to get in there and of course as i mentioned the road of his radio listener leagues are starting up soon so you do get dibs on those spots and those patreon ships start from just six dollars per month so why not head on over join that exclusive community of listeners to get access to that premium content and help us to continue to grow produce and have high quality industry leading programming that is patreon.com forward slash rotoviz as well i mentioned the listener leagues we will be giving away two listener league spots a week and not just listener league spots but also ffpc 35 dollar entry leagues to some of their double ups so two per week over the next month that is eight free 35 dollar spots to our loyal uh, patreon so head on over there get joined up if you needed any more kind of reason to join up those spots are up for grabs so that is patreon.com forward slash rotoviz and as always you can get that 10 percent discount to a rotoviz nfl pass right now available through the nfl podcast homepage. that is rotoviz.com forward slash podcast get ready for the season we do talk about it every week we talk about the content on the site throughout the show but you are missing out if you have not signed up yet to the Road of His NFL Pass. And of course, save that 10%. And then use that 10% to get yourself a Patreon discount or to get a Patreon membership. There's just uh, there's nothing to lose there. Head on over that is rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. With the plugs out of the way, let's jump into the second quarter. So, Sean, somewhere we talk about a lot is regression to the mean or somebody maybe who has had a you know a negative season having a positive regression. That's what we're going to talk about today, more so the players who maybe their stats have indicated that they should have had a higher touchdown scoring percentage last season in 2018 as we head into 2019. Uh, and it's an interesting piece that is up on the site this week that I've enjoyed having a little bit of a dive into. When we look through it and the, the stuff that's in it, obviously the, there's some names in there that tend to pop up over and over. Well, there's one name in there that pops up over and over, and that's Julio Jones. And he seems to be on this list each and every year. And we all talk about the struggles sometimes that he has in the red zone and mainly down to the lack of targets he gets in that area but he is on the list again uh, for this season and somebody who we always think could hit that double digit point in touchdowns but it doesn't really happen for him too often and I think uh, the Falcons are a bit of a buy low candidate this year so definitely an interesting name to have on the list somebody I'm quite high on as we head into training camp here as the second year wide receiver up in Green Bay uh, MBS for for the easiest way to pronounce it marquez valdez scantling for the longer approach but i think there's a very interesting uh, situation here behind Devonte adams to see who really can be that second wide receiver on this team and i think it's going to be uh, between him and allison and I, I i do think that mvs is a better player than allison there's been talk this week of allison uh, possibly playing more in the slot this year but I, I just see mvs as the the better player all around in terms of what we've seen as a rookie and i expect him to have a, a big step forward and have an opportunity to get that so I, i'm very interested to see what he does he's on the list as well kenny galladay one of our other favorites on the list branton cooks who we talked about uh, a couple of weeks back and then of course we've talked a lot about dj Moore this offseason he's coming in at number one on this particular list out of the five there sean um is there any of those that you think is a a must grab this year in terms of who who uh, could end up with that positive touchdown increase for their season i don't know in terms of a touchdown increase this year but julio jones adp is insane right you're getting one of the Always greatest is. players <laughs> of the last decade yes i mean even if he doesn't score the touchdowns you're going to get so many yards so many receptions and to be able to get him now frequently uh, solidly in the second round and this is a player i've drafted i mean back before he had become one of the greatest all-time players i drafted him number two overall in you know a 1500 dollars uh, high stakes main event league and and he was fine i mean obviously that was in a a little bit different era where we weren't getting the top numbers from running backs that we're getting now but for a jones who's established himself at the level that he's established himself at to be available in the second round is crazy. Michael Dunner has this, this article, a cool article here. He talks about how 
at this point, Jones is now expected to have scored 62 career touchdowns, but only has 51. However, this past season, he actually was solid, especially in the second half when he finally broke through. He had that crazy stretch of, of not scoring a touchdown for almost a full calendar season, which you know, would be impossible, right? I mean, it would seem to be impossible. The Falcons obviously are not doing what they need to do with scheming in the red zone. The Falcons have one of these strange teams where they have all this explosive offense. They've got a solid quarterback. Uh, they have the dome. They have this division where they have all these shootout games. And when you think about them underperforming as a team, obviously they've had some defensive issues, but not getting that red zone performance from Julio Jones has certainly been one of the issues. I think it's really exciting. So we've talked a lot on the show about Calvin Ridley. I think these two wide receivers are going to each put up big touchdown numbers in 2019. And if you're looking for another way to play that, then certainly I think you want to look to stack Matt Ryan into your lineup as well. Ryan, a guy who probably one of the weakest arm talents of NFL quarterbacks, but within this offense, he's been very successful. And I think that uh, he's going to be successful again in 2019. Yeah. I think Matt Ryan's an interesting, uh, you know, quarterback in those kind of later spots, you know, after, after the kind of 10th round to be looking at this year in terms of redraft, but we look down through it, like Julio Jones, you mentioned him in terms of all time, great wide receivers. And I think like, you really have to be looking at just how good Julio Jones is. If you look, since uh, 2013 was the only season he's had under uh, 1,000 yards, and he only played five seasons, but he still had 580 yards. So he was averaging 116 yards per game. Since his uh, second year in the league, he's had at least, um, I'm just looking here, 90.3 yards per game is his lowest in a season, and that season was 2017, where he finished with 1,444 yards. So we have always seen Matt Ryan you know, have that kind of, struggle with the touchdowns he's had one season with double digit touchdowns that was 2012 was just a second season in the league but throughout those numbers you know we can see 2014 1593 yards 2015 1871 yards 1409 then 1444 then 1677 you know it's just been a a dominant career at the wide receiver position and when you start to look at you know the players who are all-time greats and in terms of fantasy players i think you really have to start looking at julio jones as one off those all-time how how high would you go in terms of all-time fantasy wide receivers i think he has to be in that top 10 but how high up into that list would you think that you'd be you'd be putting him well, I think if you're looking at the time period that most of us see as being the, the fantasy football era where, you know, we're playing these leagues through the internet, that kind of thing. You know, once you get past Calvin Johnson and Randy Moss, then suddenly I think Julio Jones is in there. And, and Jones has been more consistent, certainly, than Moss. And so, uh, I mean, he, he's right there at the top. You're, you're certainly not going to see another receiver you know, with that kind of yardage, obviously Antonio Brown, the last three, four, five years has been excellent. So there are a couple of other guys up in that range, but Jones, when you consider the consistency of the yardage, and certainly even though it's sort of a, a secondary factor, it doesn't go directly to points, but when you think about him as being this athlete who is just on another level, even than NFL athletes, right? And so I think that you have all of the excitement that goes with that. I mean, Julio Jones is basically a superhero. And so when you have that kind of athleticism, you have that kind of consistency with the yardage, you have it game to game, you have it year to year. It would be exciting to see him have a 15 touchdown season because then all of a sudden, you know, you're going to be looking at him and and people saying after the season, like, why were we drafting someone like Melvin Gordon who held out? Why were we drafting Le'Veon Bell, who went to play for the New York Jets ahead of one of the all-time great wide receivers. So, you know, if he could have a season like that, I think it would be pretty exciting for for the fantasy community in general and just, you know, for him to finally get his due. Because is he a, a touchdown scorer at the level of Randy Moss, at the level of a Calvin Johnson? No, I mean, he's underperformed for a long time, and at least a little of, of that is on him. But can he have one of these big touchdown seasons? I certainly think he can this year. And you know Calvin Ridley we talk about him again we'll talk about him a little bit later in the show we talk about the draft board but someone the defenses are going to have to account for right so if we see a little bit of a flip from that touchdown rate from Ridley to Jones as defenses adjust then again you you have that potential for Jones to have one of those big touchdown seasons that you know that we're looking for from him 
Yeah, and I, and I actually think I've talked about it a couple of times in the show, you know, with the, the tight end and Austin Hooper. I think that he could become a much better player this year as he's kind of progressed each and every season in the NFL. And of course, that would help uh, open things up for Jones as well. You mentioned Calvin Johnson, and I think that, you know, he probably, in that kind of online fantasy football era, is uh, probably the greatest in terms of the wide receiver position. But when you look through the numbers and the stats, pretty much uh, Julio Jones is Calvin Johnson without the touchdowns. When you look through the actual season to season numbers, I said of the 2012 season where we've seen Calvin Johnson have nearly 2,000 yards. So it, it is a, a fair comparison. And I think then if you put Antonio Brown, and I think you're probably looking at Julio then in that third or fourth spot. So just an unbelievable player. And uh, it would be super fun to see him start to really cash in on those touchdowns. We've seen a period last year where he got a couple of weeks in a row where he was uh, hitting touchdowns. So I think it'll be super fun to see that happen this year. Hopefully, um, according to this uh, piece up on the site by Michael, it, it, it is a possibility. So the other big uh, stat that I have for Julio Jones is he's actually uh, exactly one day older than I am. So uh, that, that's an interesting stat there. I'm sure that'll affect him and your fantasy lineups this season. But... <laughs> Allow me a brief second to tell you about our good friends over at the FFPC, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. It's been 10 years since the FFPC filled their first dynasty league, and they've now grown to the world's largest dynasty commissioner with leagues as high as $5,000 to enter. The FFPC leagues are active and competitive, and not a single league has ever folded. Brand new startup dynasty leagues are forming right now, starting at $77 and up in standard Superflex and best ball formats. And for all of you ready for your greatest challenge ever, take a look at the FFPC main event. What exactly is the main event? It is the world's biggest event in season-long fantasy football, and this year it's coming at you with half a million dollars in that grand prize pool and over $3.1 million in total prizes. You can go to Las Vegas for the three-day weekend of live drafts and festivities at the Planet Hollywood Resort and Casino or draft online from the comfort of your own home. Main event drafts start on the 23rd of August and run through the start of the season. Do not miss out now. Head on over to myffpc.com. That is myffpc.com, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9 Excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. So, Sean, jumping in now to the third quarter, and this is something I'm very excited to talk about on today's show. It is your July board in terms of a look at everyone who you're drafting in 2019, and you've also added in 27 priority targets. So I don't think I need to tease this to the listeners. This is going to be a fun section. But if you haven't already gone onto the site and looked at Sean's board, you need to do that immediately. You need to put a, a favorite on that tab and make sure that you keep it readily available as you get ready for your drafts because it is just absolute gold. So, Sean, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions that I think the listeners might be interested in, and then we're going to bounce back and forth on some of the players and some of the rankings. But when you look at it, do you want to discuss the, the process a little bit, how to maybe, you know, a lot of players will have issues trying to decipher some players that they've ranked very close together. How, how do you go through your process to, to go and set up this? Uh, you know, it's quite it's a very comprehensive list in terms of the players listed. The process in terms of looking at the board in many ways, a little bit more intuitive than uh, something where we're going through and trying to find, okay, well, this player is going to score such and such points over replacement. This player is going to score uh, a different number of points over uh, over replacement and rank them in that way. We, we have a lot of research on the site showing that ADP is not particularly successful in predicting the future the expert rankings are not particularly successful in predicting how players will 
finish at the end of the season. And one of the problems with that is because of the fragility of projections. Now, we're going to have uh, some excellent projection tools on the site, and I would encourage listeners to go and play with those. However, when you're looking at the projection tools and the projection machine that we'll have out shortly, one of the best things to do is to go through and play with the different scenarios. Try to understand where players would fit if scenario A happens, if scenario B happens, if scenario C happens. And you want to understand how these different scenarios kind of interact with ADP and interact with the potential for a player to really emerge beyond where they're at. When I'm putting together the board, I'm basically trying to find those players who have a lot more upside than downside at their ADP. And so in order to do that, we have to know certain types of things. Instead of looking at very specific volume-based numbers, Right. Which, again, there's all this talk about how volume is more predictive than efficiency. And so everybody, you know, there's a stampede to just projecting everything based on volume. And that's really the wrong way to look at it. Right. You want to understand what's going to be necessary for a player to just absolutely destroy their ADP as opposed to drafting a bunch of players who, based on the depth chart where it is now, that in week one, they're going to get a certain number of touches. That ends up not being very useful on a full season basis, right? So what you want to know about players is, you know, over the course of their careers, and for some of the younger players, obviously you go back to college, but what are the profiles that are very successful at the NFL level? What are the profiles that are more backup types of profiles? And then what are the expectations that we have in terms of how a player's production moves through at different experience levels? So, so much of it comes back to when do players break out and what types of players break out. And so that's one of the reasons why in the wide receiver breakout series that I've written for the site, that we break it down and look so closely at the different classes, the different experience levels, because there are different profiles for the players who break out in their fifth year, fourth year, third year, second year, et cetera. So you're looking at for different types of things from those guys, as opposed to just this general thing of, okay, well, a guy had a certain volume last year. And now if he improves upon that, then he'll be into this range that I want to draft, right? You want to have something that gives you a lot more opportunity to destroy ADP than that. So when I'm looking to put together the board, I'm looking at What types of things have been successful historically for players to make huge jumps? And so then the rosters that I build will have a feel of, in many cases, a rebuilding dynasty roster. That's a lot more what my redraft rosters will have. But with the exception that there are all kinds of players that I'm avoiding because there are all kinds of trendy players that are massively overvalued. Right. So that goes back again to this research of historically, what have we seen in terms of players breaking out in any given season? And certainly from the top teams that I have within these high stakes formats, the ones that finish in the top 15 of the contest overall, the ones that you know end up being the league champions. What I would expect to see from those teams is that that roster the following year is going to have say three or four first round players, a couple more second round players, a couple more third round players to where if there were a midseason draft, then I'm going to have you know eight to ten guys who are being picked in the first four rounds of that midseason draft. If you want to have the type of team that is really blowing out your league, it has to be stacked with these kind types of players who can destroy ADP. You're not looking to put together a roster based on the volume that your guys have who are going to exactly hit what their ADPs are because that number one doesn't give you the upside, and number two, it still exposes you to the huge downside that those players have and the fact that the volume changes depth depth charts change during the course of the season you have to be in position to take advantage of changes in volume not expected volume at the beginning no i think that's a really really insightful sean in terms of it's almost like a a dynasty approach when you're doing it in kind of um, an eight to 16 week sample size where you're saying this player now is a a fifth round player and if we do a draft come november he's going to be going in the second round and you're trying to you know knock that expectation out of the park and it is a way like each time last year when we would talk about your teams these players is like how does sean have all these players on his teams because he was drafting them in the sixth seventh eighth all the way down into those lower rounds and now they're outperforming that expectation 
and this is the insight that you want to get in this piece is because these are the players that when you look through the the stats the apps up on the the road of his site they're the players that are showing that same uh, opportunity for this season now one of the things that i'm very interested in sean and you know the listeners will find as we get closer to the season a lot of these similar things will come together in terms of our thoughts and our players because obviously it's what we're looking at on the site and then it's bringing those players into our teams and we're kind of talking about those players but when you look at it as well out of the top 34 running backs one of the points you made is 24 or sorry 20 of them have a void label so you've marked the players with an x basically on each of them in terms of if they're draftable at their adp if they're overrated something that else is really good about it is you have their adp you have their positional adp you have their positional rank in terms of the rotoviz rankings and then you have if they're draftable and all these things are are nicely done in terms of tabs where you can rank them directly by that tab and resort them so lots of uh, great interactive usage on this article but that that part with um you know basically two-thirds of them being clear avoids in terms of those running backs and we've talked about it on this show and it's become a little bit of a drumbeat in terms of Dave Cabin and Matt Freeman on on uh, the road of his radio flagship show that when you get outside of those opening two rounds in terms of running backs you really do start to have a drop off in terms of the hit rate all the way down to that eighth round so again this here's something else that kind of feeds into that do you, do you find that is you know consistently what you're saying as well to, to avoid those players going in that kind of third through eighth round and that, that's kind of similar to what you have here i know you have some of them in that first round uh marked as uh you know not really draftable as well but is that the main focus of those is after that second round it is the the article that i'll have coming out later in the week dives into this a little bit further with this idea that last year and, and this is something that i think is flying a little bit under the radar because we had such huge seasons from the very top running backs but if you look at best ball uh zero running back had a 14 percent win rate last year which is obviously way above just your average win rate right and in order to try and figure out how that happened i went through and and looked again at those running backs in the first four rounds because one of the things that we see when you go in and you play with our fantastic uh, roster construction explorer that mike beers has created for us is you can go in and look and see what the win rates are for drafting players in different areas and one of the things that i found is that across the board the win rates whether it's your first running back your second running back or if you're really stacking them uh, with running back heavy teams and it's your third running back and fourth running back regardless of what running back it is for you if you're drafting a running back in the third or fourth rounds the win rates are incredibly low and so just to go through and kind of do an exercise, look at the players from uh, 2018 who were drafted in that range and look at all the individual players and the win, the win rates for the individual players are also very, very low. Well, try and figure out how that happened, why it happened. And when you go in, you, you start to see the same types of things that we have a problem with running backs just in general. We have injuries. We have too many players in the committee. We have the fact that, uh, you know, someone like Kenyon Drake, which we'll mention in a moment, uh, someone who is not an established player but yet was drafted based on this idea of his week one volume you have guys who just you know have very narrow moats because of where they fit within their overall roster so went through and looked at the different reasons why people underperformed last year and then said okay if that's the situation and those are specific to 2018 but we also know that these are things that have killed players in 2017 2016 certainly you had the running back apocalypse in 2015 and a lot of the same problems that we were having for these 2018 running backs are the same problems that you have going back through all of those years they're players we want to avoid well if that's the case then who should we avoid in 2019 and so after i go through and remove the players who have these same big red flags that killed people in 2018 then we're down to only 14 of those first 34 running backs are really draftable at all and so you know again when you're putting together your board once you take out all of these guys who are just do not draft kinds of players now again i want to say that that doesn't mean that i'm 100 percent right on these guys by any stretch it doesn't mean that all of them are going to bust it simply means that your risk reward and your price make that guy a very bad risk for the upcoming season you want to take a guy who gives you a lot better chance there it doesn't mean that you couldn't hit it just means that you're much better off over the course of many drafts and many picks if you go a different direction at that spot yeah very good and uh, we're going to jump in now to, to some of the part i'm sure the listeners will be looking to see is where some of the players that you currently think are over undervalued at their adp in certain kind of rounds but one thing just as i go through it which um i thought was very good as well is um you know in terms of players who are targets they're also marked um but the the 
kind of the research or the article that will be linked to some of the the kind of backup or the the information that has educated the decision to have them as a target is also um, hyperlinked in those articles so it's a really really just very useful all around one player in it though that i see in terms of where his adp is and obviously that there's likely to change over the next couple of weeks based on the news coming out over the last week or so that tyreek hill is not going to face a suspension uh, are you expecting just a, a massive drop off now in terms of where we see um, Sammy Watkins drafted or do you think that like last year he'll probably still stay around uh, just kind of a little bit lower than he is currently but he'll still be somebody who's drafted in those kind of opening uh, five to six rounds at the wide receiver position how are you judging that I can see that you have him as draftable in the latest update but obviously um, is that going to switch now with that news coming out over the, the last kind of couple of days he's draftable he's not necessarily a target for me Watkins scored fine when he was healthy last year but once you add Nicole Hardman to the mix you consider the fact that Watkins is rarely healthy um, I, I think that there are some better guys in there but certainly anybody who is connected to Patrick Mahomes I don't think that you're going to uh, really regret having that exposure unless the person is injured and you know we talk a lot of, about the different scenarios well the worst scenario for all of these guys is just that they get hurt and so you have to then balance out some of those things we know that one of the reasons why you do avoid running backs early if they don't have this insane upside which some of them do now uh, but you avoid them because of the the outsized injury risk well with some people like Sammy Watkins who have you know chronic foot issues and, and that type of thing then you might also put them into that mix where you do want them to really be able to destroy their ADP if they're healthy if there's also this outsized chance that they will be hurt yeah absolutely and uh, when we look down to it then so any players that you've moved up considerably uh, since the start of draft season since pretty much let's get uh, February until this point um, any players that you've moved up multiple rounds or, or have had quite a jump in where you see them in value well going back to to michael's article and, and you mentioned mvs being in there he is one of the guys and it's, it's interesting too uh looking at him for the second round breakout or the second year breakout article uh, that just came out on the site and and going through like the top uh 10 different possibilities and and where their adps are his is crazy because he was way outside the top 200 and now is is moving up toward that 100 range which i think once he started to the getting into that range then a lot of the upside is actually priced in to his but in terms of of where i've moved them on my board he's moved well up allison is not a guy that i've been overly concerned about again that's not to say that he's certainly not going to produce but i think the other person that i was pretty interested in is equinemia st brown the buzz for him there was a little at the start you know really back at the very beginning of the offseason but then as they went through the different team activities this summer he has evidently not stood out nearly as much and so you know if, if mvs is going to be that number two receiver there then you have to consider him at least a little bit of, of having some of that kenny galladay breakout potential certainly also with the better offense one of the things that, that i i do want to mention here and was looking into it a little bit uh getting ready and going through the research for an article looking at well who could be the 2019 Kenny Galladay, who could be the 2019 Cooper Cup, and specifically focusing in on these receivers who might be a little bit more low profile, but also guys who were in college for four years. Now, we've talked a lot on the show about the fact that people who declare early, they translate to the NFL much better. They outperform what their NFL draft slot was by a much wider margin. So we're mostly targeting those guys who were early declares but that doesn't mean that someone who stays for four years is going to definitely not succeed right and you know you have galladay you have cup and going and looking at them and then comparing them to some of the players like an mvs like an anthony miller like a uh, michael gallup and one of the things that really does jump out though is that galladay and cup were mega mega producers in college and and not just for that final year cup all the way through galladay certainly after his transfer and you're talking about big time receiving numbers uh, for cup raw numbers and then market share for galladay you know solid raw numbers huge market share numbers and so when you're bringing some of these other guys in they don't quite measure up to that now again that doesn't necessarily mean that they won't be good nfl players i i am excited to see what mbs can do and he did improve as he went through in college and had very solid numbers down the stretch and people who follow our freak score numbers know that he had a crazy freak score coming out of college so he's an athlete right you put that level of athlete 
in with Aaron Rodgers, in with all the hype that he's getting, then I think he's kind of a, a fun pick in that range. He's on a bunch of my dynasty teams. It was exciting to see him move up because I basically have him on all the dynasty teams uh, when he was essentially free last season. So I'm hopeful. I'm optimistic. It would be great to see him have that Kenny Galladay second season. I don't necessarily expect that, but if you're drafting him where he's currently going, I think you probably won't be disappointed if he continues to move up. Then you're starting to have some some pretty significant downside risk in there too. I definitely think he's somebody who I, I don't think we'll see him move up much in terms of ADP, but he's definitely higher on my um, rankings than than on and most other kind of industry wide rankings um on that particular one in terms of players that you think are extreme values at current adp so that would be obviously far too cheap at the current price that you're just going to keep buying and buying and buying well juju smith schuster is someone who should be a middle of the first round guy going in the middle of the second we talked about all those running backs with the avoid labels and that does not count obviously saquon barkley does not count a christian mccaffrey does not count on alvin Kamara. those guys definitely want on your team if you're lucky enough to get a draft slot where you have access to them falling into that third round the third round is basically a clear hands-off round but carry on johnson a guy that we have loved uh, he does not have that do not draft label i think there are some fantastic wide receiver options in that range. You may still want to go wide receiver, but if you're looking for a running back, definitely try to grab him in that mid to late third round where you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes uh, up into the beginning of the third, even late second by the time we get into late August. I mean, his profile is too exciting for him to be uh, drafted with a bunch of running backs who are nowhere close to the same level in terms of how their profile projects to scoring fantasy points. Stefan Diggs constantly undervalued doesn't really matter what he does he always ends up being a value the same thing to an extent that may be a little bit more understandable all the Rams wide receivers are values Brandon Cooks was mentioned uh, in the touchdown regression article I was suggesting in one of the pieces I did recently talking about foundation players Brandon Cooks was one of those foundation players and I was talking about how you know he's being drafted below just what his annual performance is but in addition to that I think when you talk about him being on three different teams, there's the possibility for a mild. I mean, he's already getting so many yards that I mean, you wouldn't necessarily expect him to jump into that 15, 1600 yard range. He's just not quite that type of receiver. But I certainly wouldn't be surprised if we get this tiny continuity breakout where we see him emerge a little bit more in his second year in that offense. Jarvis Landry, uh, pretty crazy. <laughs> ADP for him a very established star wide receiver who now with Odell Beckham to draw coverage I think could absolutely go wild there in Cleveland and then Christian Kirk one of the breakouts that Dubner has also talked about uh, Hassan is all over Kirk has been rising but still a value at ADP yeah I think uh, Kirk's one that I'm really looking forward to seeing especially with the the new system the new quarterback see what happens there in Arizona um obviously we'll all have favorite targets as we get through certain rounds but kind of that four to seven range so when you drop out of that real elite tier and you're into the kind of secondary market uh, any targets there that you're enjoying from four through seven yeah my two favorite targets in that range are the guys we talked about uh, earlier in the show Calvin Ridley and Tyler Boyd Colm who do you prefer in those rounds well I, I out of those two actually in the scott fishbowl i did take boyd um ahead off ridley it was a a turn i think it might have been uh the fifth the fifth round into the sixth round and the, I, they're the two picks i actually went and i took them both we had a bit of a discussion on the, the road of his slack and i took them both over godwin so there'll be a lot of people out there probably be not very uh, enthused with that decision but i went boyd then i went ridley and they both were very very close for me but i just like boyd a little bit more i think ridley um is going to have those big weeks where i think boyd will have those consistent weeks throughout the season i think you know we'll see ridley have a couple of weeks where he hits that kind of over the 30 point threshold uh, we'll probably maybe see that once from boyd i think we might see it two times or three times from ridley i think that's the difference one will be more consistent uh, and one will then have those massive spike weeks they probably will end up with a similar points total come the end of the season do you think that's fair on those two players uh, but i would be taking boyd just over over ridley well we, we talked about expecting players to really blow up and be drafted much earlier next year you know again it's not that every one of these guys hits by any stretch but we're looking for profiles where there's a bunch of safety built in but then there's this upside i think that when you're looking at 2020 adp i think you're going to see tyler boyd creep up into that late fourth round area i think he's going to have a very another very solid season i think you're going to see 
Calvin Ridley drafted in the second round. I think he's going to have that strong of a season. Their their offense is going to be very passing game heavy. You know, he's going to be unstoppable with Julio Jones across there. I think you're looking at 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns again. So Ridley is a guy where I just I don't think he can go wrong. And and right now we're seeing even these superstar wide receivers drafted in the second round. So maybe he's a guy he'll be drafted in the third round next year. But I'm looking for that Juju Smith-Schuster sort of jump where he's a clear star at the end of the season. Yeah, and that's what's so exciting about this time because we're almost there and we can almost you know see the action happening and we're just we're trying to visualize it. So super super exciting time of the year to talk about these players. Maybe not as exciting for us to talk about as somebody who you might think is going at the moment as a, a little bit overrated in terms of who's going in that top seven round range. Is there anyone in there you feel each and every time you just think that that's a bad a bad call to draft that player? It's difficult because it's not as much fun to criticize anybody. There's, there's not a lot of upside for you as a fantasy analyst to be picking out some of these guys. And I just, I find myself rooting for everyone, even though, you know, those 20 guys with the avoid label at running back. I mean, I'm not going to be sitting there every Sunday just, you know, hoping they're stuffed in the backfield every play. <laughs> but Kenyon Drake, I mean, it would be really cool if he broke out. It'd be great if the Dolphins had an offense that were functional. I just think when you're, he's someone who was drafted early last season and just, you know, didn't do anything, right? I mean, he passed by easily by, um, you know, the <laughs> Frank Gore, who is is timeless. There, There's no stopping him. He's certainly going to throw a wrench into any of our plans for the Buffalo uh, running back committee this season. But even with Gore gone, we were talking about, you know, who had the big exciting run last year was uh, Balaj. We have, you know, a couple of our sleeper running backs there in Miami. Certainly, you would expect that if there are some trades or there are some guys from these deeper teams who were cut after the preseason that Miami would be a place for them to end up. Drake is just a very, very difficult pick that early when you consider that he hasn't done anything at the NFL level, but also didn't do anything at the college level. So, you know, you, he's, he's an excellent athlete. He's a, he's not that small of a guy. He has the athletic profile of a clear starting NFL running back, but you know, you, you have to be able to show that you can do it. Last year was an opportunity. There was not a lot of competition there. And, you know, so uh, clearly people are looking at the coaching situation and saying, well, it was a coaching problem. And now that problem has been remedied. So hopefully for him, this is the year that he breaks out. But I think that's a difficult pick in that range. I also think a lot of the tight ends in that range are, are pretty tough. You're, you really want to have those star tight ends or, you know, some of the, the later veteran tight ends. I think the strategy is to balance a couple of the late, maybe not that exciting guys, but players who have been successful in the past. And if their health holds up, you know, you have a Jimmy Graham, you have a Greg Olson, you have a Delaney Walker. Some of those guys are, are maybe not really looking that healthy to start the season already. But if you mix them in with, you know, some of your early drafted tight ends last year who completely bombed you know like a Hayden Hurst like a Gasecki put them in with a Gerald Everett someone who disappointed everybody as a second year player and now the buzz is completely evaporated for him so I prefer to have that balance of really late tight ends than to reach for some of the more bland middle-aged or sort of the quote peak age tight ends who are being drafted in that five six seven round range And now, Sean, onto a player who we've been uh, talking about quite a bit over the last couple of weeks. We've just been kind of touching on him here and there. I know you've drafted him in a, a couple of teams, and uh, I talked about him probably two months ago, about potential you know, value in terms of where he was going. He's one of the rare players that actually has uh, a positional ADP and a rotoviz ADP uh, in terms of their rankings uh, at, at the exact same point, 38th uh, in terms of that ADP. And it is at the running back position. He's going... Uh, around 90th or 91st off the board in terms of drafts i don't know if any of the listeners have uh, guessed who it is yet but it is ronald jones uh, you teased in this piece that uh, his rookie season was not good and it's hard to put a good spin on 23 carries for 44 yards 
the good news you did say is this type of emergence has happened before but you're talking about that he wouldn't be the first elite running back prospect to bomb and then emerge after that so sean what are some realistic expectations as we get into the season here for him you know you talked about players who could absolutely blow away their adp if he comes in and does what he was able to do in college he can like it's not going to take a lot of discussion to say how he outscores his adp but the thing is is what we've seen last year was so bad what is the route to jones being uh, you know a fantasy relevant player in, in 2019 yeah so i spent a decent amount of time in the article going back through and talking about how he was the star prospect he was successful immediately in college very young prospect very athletic prospect what of his listeners know about all that and so then the second stage is looking at some of these star prospects who failed before they succeeded and so looking at everybody really who gained fewer than 400 yards rushing as a rookie now a lot of people look at them and be like well there's a big difference between someone going under 400 and going 23 <laughs> or 44 right and so yes jones comes in down at the very bottom of people in terms of highly drafted players and just how bad they were as rookies but we look at some of these other guys who really blew up in their second season going back to 2000 we have you know, someone like a deuce McAllister who put up 317 points in his second season sean alexander 306 points in his second season a couple of the guys who fueled my first big high stakes teams in 2009 jamal charles and richard mendenhall both came basically out of nowhere to put up 229 and 209 points respectively brian westbrook 197 tevin coleman 191 uh, Larry Johnson, 173, C.J. Spiller, 158. And I mentioned that some of the backs, I think, who may be the most interesting. Now, we do also have, I think, this kind of frustrating story where Ronald Jones has put on 15 pounds. And you're like, you were the right weight before, right? You want to be a Jamal Charles, a Brian Westbrook, a Tevin Coleman, uh, a C.J. Spiller. You don't, uh, you know, you don't need to be 220, right? That's That's not the kind of back that you are. We want you to run the daylight. We want you to develop as a receiver and so i don't know that, that that is particularly exciting for me but you look at some of these previous backs who were in that 205 ish pound range fantastic athleticism and then this transition to the nfl that didn't happen instantly and so with spiller he was drafted at running back 37 in his second year had a solid second season and then was drafted in the 30s in running back ADP his third season and then that was the season where he had the big league winning year before you know he, he sort of vanished again on us and so those are the types of guys that I'm drafting every year in that range uh, and maybe even specifically a little bit more the smaller backs right who do have that run to daylight ability who do have that profile that tends to break out as a receiver even if it wasn't there in college we talked a little bit about how ronald jones had a fantastic backfield dominator rating in college and how his profile really suggests that he could emerge as a receiver like a jamal charles for example who is somebody else who we maybe weren't expecting to have that part on the resume now tevin coleman cj spiller better receivers right so there are some ways in which these guys are not one-to-one -one comparisons but what we wanted to see is that this kind of breakout does occur and that these are the main guys that you tend to get all of that zero running back value from and so when you go through and you're going to put potentially you're going to draft a running back in the first round but then after that you're either going to go zero running back or you have this one elite running back and then you're going to really seed your roster with five or six high upside backs that you're drafting somewhere in that six to 15 round range perhaps even putting them all in there in that nine to 15 round range then we don't have to hit on every single guy but we have to find guys with this profile that if they do hit that the upside is extreme now the other thing I talked about a little bit in the article is that there are a lot of mentions of david johnson as it relates to you know what might happen in tampa but going back and looking a little bit bigger picture for bruce arians he has actually not been a particularly favorable running back coach from a play calling and scheme perspective with perhaps the caveat that you know you look at one of the guys that i mentioned as a breakout there mendenhall played under arians and pittsburgh had those good seasons and so much of the workload was centered in that one guy so when you're looking at jones i think you also have to look at peyton barber as a little bit of an interesting potential breakout too because i don't think that this is going to end up in a committee it may start out that way as they give both guys a chance to win the job but i think one of those people one of those players is going to 
end up as the guy who gets almost the entire workload. And so once they get that, then I think there'll be enough value there, especially within the context of this offense who has these other stars and it's going to score a lot of points. So I think if you end up as the starter, then your touchdown upside is pretty strong. Colin, would you be targeting Jones here? Or the interesting thing is that Peyton Barber, he's also seen his ADP rise throughout the summer when they didn't make an addition in free agency. They didn't make an addition in the draft, but he is now less expensive than Jones, a player he outscored by 130 points next year. Would you just assume have him and have the guy who is sort of the incumbent starter and the guys on the ground, the beat writers, uh, they certainly think that he has the best chance to emerge there. This fits into the category that you mentioned earlier as drafting the starter come week one versus who might be the starter come November. And I think it's likely that Peyton Barber is that starter come week one. I think the thing that's interesting about him is, you know, when you talk about Peyton Barber, people kind of think, well, he's this guy, he's kind of a, an old veteran running back. But like, you know, he's, he's 25 years old. It's not that he's been around a huge amount of time and he had a pretty solid season last year. So I think you're looking at him as the solid option where if you look at the athletic profile i think you're looking then at the the possibility of jones being able to if he puts it all together be a you know a much much better overall running back the two of them are players who aren't ending up on a huge amount of rosters but earlier this offseason i believe it was back around february we talked about it i did pick him up in a couple of dynasty leagues you know for it was around that you know draft time picked him up for a few kind of second and third round picks and dynasty because i thought there was value there to be had but i think there's there's still a glimmer of hope but the the chances that he turns it around and becomes a superstar in terms of the running back position for 2019 and you know has that league one and upside is still pretty slim but when you're getting them in those later rounds where you're talking about i think the the upside is uh, monumental in terms of him having that opportunity you know you talked about players who are being drafted now in the seventh round and could be a second or fourth round pick next year you could easily see him being in that fourth round and that third round next year in terms of a running back so i think that he's a player that i'll be slotting into those rosters moving forward Peyton Barber is somebody as well it's kind of like one of those one of them is going to be a success it's the same I do believe in San Francisco where one of those guys would be a success as well but it's just picking which one is a success and those are backfields that are very hard to be confident on but with with what we expected coming into 2018 what we're expecting coming into 2019 it is still uh, Jones who I would be targeting but Jones is one of them players that it, it could be a league one and upside it could also be an absolutely wasted draft pick but that can happen with anybody and the upside as you pointed out in this article is certainly there so still still some excitement to be had for Ronald Jones as we head in to the 2019 season and uh, you mentioned cj spiller a lot of people uh, probably still wondering back to all those years where cj spiller went in the first and second round and really didn't deliver anything for their fantasy lineups but the years he did deliver were uh, were truly truly uh, fun to watch but sean let's get uh, into overtime and uh, let's head on a couple of uh, late round sleepers to talk about at the wide receiver position <laughs> So Sean, up on the piece, the, up on the site this week. Sorry, it's kind of a combination from the uh, Rotoviz staff. Four lit round sleepers to supercharge your fantasy team. Uh, we have D.D. Westbrook, John Brown, Noah Fant, and D.K. Metcalf. So two rookies in there. So we get ready for the season. John Brown switched teams. D.D. Westbrook, the only one that's returning to the same team uh, for the second season. But out of those, I'm going to let you go first. Uh, which of those four is the pe- player that you'd be targeting out of the those those particular names? Well, I know your player, and I do not want to take him, even though he is <laughs> that I have a target on in the July draft board. John Brown, you know, it's it's interesting because there is some opportunity with the Bills. He's a guy Matthew Friedman was extremely high on when he came into the league. I always mention him as being in the same conference that I played college tennis in. So that has uh, the sentimental value for me there. But as someone who is actually picking Zay Jones and Robert Foster relatively late, it it makes it so perhaps you just you want to spread out those picks and perhaps i should be adding brown on there as well but i like those other guys so much i don't think that there's going to be a lot of value left in what still projects as as sort of a low volume passing offense for the number three guy now people who are drafting brown there are going to say he's the most established player he's not the number three guy he's the starter i think that these two rookies are interesting at adp certainly they're not guys you would you would draft in the first eight or nine rounds even with the freakish athleticism but Metcalf is someone who fell late enough in the CBS draft that I did with Ben Gretsch recently that I actually picked him which it came as sort of a surprise 
we talked about the draft board and I basically never get anyone who is not within this range of priority target players, especially late where, you know, you're looking at whoever your guys are, you tend to think that they're undervalued by multiple rounds, even if at the end of the season you realize, okay, well, that's a guy who just ended up on waivers. Right. But Metcalf, I think, especially in a best ball format, he's someone who's interesting. I don't think that he's going to be playable in redraft. So we look at Fant. Fant will be the guy that I picked there. was going through some numbers earlier in, in preparation. And just, again, this constant reminder that rookie tight ends do not score any points. Even guys like a Rob Baronkowski, like an Evan Ingram, you know, they're below where you would really like your starter to be if he's a star. However, if you're looking at a committee, you're looking at being able to draft Fant in the double-digit rounds, and you're looking at the second half of the season. So you're willing to take that first half as being, okay, I'm not going to dominate tight end in the first half. Or maybe I'm just taking him as, as my second guy. Maybe I do have an interesting starter like a Jerry Cook, for example. Fant's one of those guys where that depth chart, those wide receivers are not players you're going to look at and say, well, they're definitely going to siphon up all the targets, all the yards. And so that Broncos offense, I think, has a little bit more potential than some people are seeing, while at the same time being wide open. So if you want a second half of the season, maybe fantasy play playoffs, breakout guy, then Fant might be your late round sleeper. Yeah, and I think you, you had a good point there in terms of, uh, you know, I think that like John Brown I think all three of them outside of my game D.D. Westbrook are probably ideal basketball candidates the problem is then being able to know that you're going to get it on a consistent basis uh, throughout the entire season the interesting thing to note is up until after that week 11 by last year for the Baltimore Ravens that was when Lamar Jackson came into the lineup up until week 11 uh, John Brown had at least three receptions in every game and was kind of averaging uh, you know five to six receptions every game when that change was made that obviously dripped drastically uh, after that he had one catch one catch zero catches two catches one catch two one two and obviously that there's you know a huge drop off so when we get him into a more and i don't know if we'll call the standard quarterback offense because we all know about josh allen's you know accuracy issues but i still think there is the possibility there i i love john brown all the way back to you mentioned bruce arians earlier in the show in the offense that he had uh, with arizona he had the breakout year in his second year with a thousand yards um, we all kind of thought then 2016 was going to be the, the explosion and it just didn't happen for him and obviously he faded out in Arizona he's ended up with Baltimore now he's on to his third team so I still have hope for John Brown but um, I think in a different offense it could be a lot better for him the player that I'm picking up on here is D.D. Uh, Westbrook and I think that you know I, I talked about him a couple of shows ago but I, I drafted him and Marquise Lee in the, the Scott Fishbowl and Lee is coming back off an ACL and PCL surgery so he's expected to be ready later in the preseason but I think Westbrook has a chance to, to start the season as that wide receiver one on that team he did have 66 receptions and five touchdowns last year with Blake Bartles throwing the ball I don't know how it's going to work out exactly with Nick Foles but I don't think there's any argument that he's an upgrade over Blake Bartles so I think it's going to be interesting that he could be the big breakout star uh, in this offense. And, you know, we're talking about players who are going in this range who could be, uh, you know, going in that you know third, fourth, fifth range next year. I think D.D. Westbrook has all that capabilities. If you look at him since he's come out of college uh, and then into the NFL, he's had a nice steady progression heading into his third year now. So hopefully we see some big things from him. So uh, fun to look through those guys. And uh, over the next couple of weeks, we will be diving into more lit players and, and going through it uh, and looking through different aspects. But good show all around really enjoyed that one i hope the listeners have enjoyed it as always um again that 10 percent discount you can get it at rotaviz.com forward slash podcast and of course i mentioned the patreon get in there and have some fun starting from just six dollars a month and of course as i mentioned there is two ffpc 35 dollar double up entries to give away each of the next couple of weeks so sign up now get yourself entered into those draws uh, and have a chance to win but until we're back next week with another show of course, my name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Over to Marland. My co-host is Sean Siegel, and I am really looking forward to getting back. We're really into the weekly schedule now. We're getting ready for the season. So until we're back next week, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 10% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. 
Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. You shouldn't go to Barnes & Noble and buy 10,000 books just so you can build a book fortress and yell out, I am your book leader. You shouldn't buy 147 copies of War and Peace, stuff them inside turkeys, and serve them at Thanksgiving as Terbukens. And you definitely shouldn't buy up all the copies of Dork Diaries, causing the neighborhood kids to stage a protest in your front yard. But you could. Because at the Barnes & Noble Book Hall, you can get over a 1,000 titles for 50% off. Stock up at your local Barnes & Noble. Terbukens are fictitious and should not be cooked at home. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.